So we're in Acts 2. And um, we are going to read together uh, the whole chapter. This was my biggest struggle all week. Can we really do the whole chapter? Um, but it was uh, it just... Uh, it's kind of one story. It's one thing. It has the whole gospel in here. It's got the whole good news. And so that's where we're going to go through the whole chapter. Are we going to get every detail? Uh, no, because then this will be a five, six hours. So we will get, we will get all the good things. Um, on, the, on the slide on the map, uh, in, the, in the verses uh, uh, 10 and 11, 12, there's examples of where all the people come from. So I just wanted to, you to give it I just wanted to show a map of where all the people are coming from that are in Jerusalem at this time. And they're hearing them speak in their own languages. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's go to chapter 2, verse 1. Here goes. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout Jews from every nation under heaven, and, this, and at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pythia, Papilia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, and both Jews, proselytes, Cretans, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But us, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing up, Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice, addressed them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet John. In the last days it shall be, declares, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men, old men shall dream dreams. Even on the male servants and female servants, I, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon shall be turned to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourself know, this Jesus delivered up to the definite plan for knowledge of God, you crucified and killed by hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also dwelled in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to haters, or let the Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried. And his tomb is with us to this day, being that for a prophet, knowing that God had shown, sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to his, nor did his flesh see corruption. Just Jesus was raised up so that, thank you, Eli, that we all are witnesses. That, to that we are all witnesses. Therefore, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this that you yourself are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts and said to Peter, with the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received the word and were baptized, and they were added about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. Wow. The disciples were waiting. They've been waiting for two weeks. Well, they, they had 10 days. But here at the service, they've been waiting for two weeks. They were waiting. They were together. They're in one place. They're waiting. Why are they waiting? Remember, why did Jesus told them to wait? For the Holy Spirit to come. So that they would get power to be witnesses. Witnesses, you have been paying attention. Fantastic. 
So today, this happens. But before I get too excited, uh, I listened to a sermon some, uh, I don't know, month or one month ago. And then I just wanted to give this to you too. Uh, because I've always just read the part of the Oh, Pentecost. I know what Pentecost is. It's the day when the Holy Spirit comes. Well, actually, just like Passover that we use now as Easter, as Christians, and when Jesus, uh, he came into Jerusalem, that was already a festival. Pentecost was also already a festival. A festival. It was a harvest festival. And, uh, and uh, here I'm going to read that slide that you're seeing. It's one of uh, Israel's three agricultural festivals. The second great feast of the Jewish year. Um, it's a harvest festival, also known as the Feast of Weeks. So when you uh, read the law in Leviticus and uh, hear about the Feast of Weeks, this is what Pentecost was. The original Jewish significance was, uh, has been overshadowed by what we know as the Holy Spirit coming. There's actually something, but for Jews it actually changed today. So today, other commentators say, today Judaism celebrates actually the giving of the law. And this happens after the destruction of the temple. And they use Exodus 19.1 where it says it was three weeks after. So the celebration then becomes about also harvest, but also the giving of the law. And then they read the book of Ruth, and then much later they start celebrating uh, the anniversary of David's death. But originally, it was one of the harvest festivals that um, the Jews were supposed to, um, to do. Now, it's also a pilgrim festival. That means it's one of the festivals where they have to come and present an offer. That's why we have all these people from everywhere there. They were supposed to come and bring an offering to God at this festival, and we see all these people from all over the world. Okay? So that's just explaining just uh, the, that, uh, that uh, what Pentecost was. But then uh, what happens? What happens? They're, they're all together in one place and suddenly something happens. Suddenly there comes, and this is so, the descriptions are so much interesting because it doesn't say exactly what anything is. It's just trying to, it's just a look at trying to describe what it is. It's like a sound. It's not sound. It's like, it's like a mighty sound, but it, it's, it, it's like a wind. But it, 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 the, what it is, it, it feels like, it feels like this. So it's tangible. And all of a sudden it fills the whole thing. Then in there, it's filled. It fills it. And then we have, this, uh, we have this happening where all of a sudden there's a divided tongues of fire on the people. But they're not burning up. They're not burning up. I was, just, I was just reminded that when that happened last time, you have Moses looking at the bush, and it's like, oh, what is going on there? It's like, so it has, it, we're shown here this is the true, real presence of God. Maybe that's why it's so hard for Luke to describe what it is. But the, parental, the true presence of God fills the room. And it rests on them. It doesn't destroy. It rests on them. And they get filled. Now they get the promise. They get filled. God sends His Holy Spirit. And it fills them. 
And, it's, and they start speaking in new languages. And what, what is it that they start speaking? This is also the fulfillment of what Jesus said. You will be my witnesses. They get filled by the Holy Spirit. The first thing they say in, all, you know, in even new languages is that they're praising God or it's, they're, they're, they're witnessing about um, they're witnessing about the amazing things that God has done. And then you can say, well, why are you just there in your room and uh, who are they witnessing to? Well, that huge, great wind that wasn't a wind, true presence of God through the town, all the people are already, there's a huge crowd. And they're like, what is happening? They're like super confused. They're like, hey, I just came from Rome and I can hear what those peasants from Galilee are saying. This is quite confusing. Like, what is happening here? And what can this be? Uh, there are, like, uh, is something great happening now? And they're saying, they're saying, how can we hear? They say they're, they were amazed and astonished. Uh, aren't they all Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language? Um, and we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. They were all amazed and perplexed. What does this mean? Everybody's like, it's good. Like, what is this? Like, they're, except all the people that you all know some of that go like, yeah, right. They're all drunk. They're all drunk. Like one commenter that said, there's always somebody who's going to say, <laughs> there's always somebody in the crowd being skeptical of what God does. <laughs> there's this big, this big uh, this, uh, descendant of the Holy Spirit to the church, and then those people are like, yeah, I don't, I think they are drunk. And Peter, <laughs> this is how Peter's first defense starts. He's like, it's like nine in the morning, they're not drunk. Like, they're not drunk, it's nine in the morning. And I was sometimes being arguing with Peter in my own mind, because... Where I live, I see people that are drunk at night in the morning. But I don't think that's the point here. I, I think uh, I think what Peter is saying is like, come on, realistically, this is not what's happening. Now he steps up and says, I will explain to you what's happening. And he goes through and he says, hey, you got to listen to me. Uh, and then he talks. And, and uh, I think the beauty is, um, somebody said to me, uh, read First John and all the things of John and the apostles and um, how you can see John has learned so much from Jesus because the way he presents the gospel is how Jesus did and it's really interesting to see when in these sermons people uh, Peter has and, and uh, we're going to see his sermons today, that he's learned something from Jesus he's, he's learned uh, how to present um, and how to come with these things because He's heard Jesus talking about himself from the Old Testament. And we, we had that example last time where we had to, from two Psalms, uh, Peter was quoting. And so today he's going to quote from a prophet Joel. And to explain to the people that had the question, what has happened? Then Peter says, listen, the prophecy in Joel has been fulfilled. And he says, in the last days I'll, I declare so, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is what happens. God is pouring himself out on these people. And this is for, this is what I'll do. 
Now, Job also, Job also has some other things. Job also has, a, it kind of like, like really good, and then in 19, it kind of turns and gets scary. <laughs> so, like, oh, this is what I'm going to do, but I'm also going to judge. I'm going to judge. There's going to be a day of the Lord, I'll judge. But then 21, there's so much hope where he says, but everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then Peter, he says to the, oh, I don't know, like, I'm going to, now we're here, and now we're here. Uh, then he starts a narrative that's so beautiful, and I was reminded about the, if you remember in the story uh, where Jesus heals the man who was, uh, he was uh, lame from birth, Blind. 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 Sorry. Something on this. The man who was born blind. Jesus heals him. People ask him, who is he? I don't know. <laughs> and then he's dragged in front of the council. Who is he? He's a prophet. How can you say he's a prophet? Jesus meets him and he says, do you believe in the Christ? It's like, where is he? I am he. I believe him. We're going to see the same thing here. Peter's going to present first Jesus as a man. He's going to end up saying he is God. Pay attention. This is going to be very good. Men of Israel. Jesus Nazareth. A man attested to God with mighty works and wonders and signs. God did through him in your midst. And you yourself know. So Peter's saying, this man... Jesus Christ, God did amazing things there. And you have seen it. You cannot deny this. You have seen this. And then he steps on it. Now, now it's going to sting. You, yourself know this, Jesus. He was delivered up according to a definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So this is the beauty of the gospel. That God knew this all the time. That we were going to rebel against him. And so does these people too. It's the beauty of God having this plan. Now this does not say that they don't have any fault because we read you crucified and killed him by lawless men. It's like you guys killed Jesus. How's that good news? Well he continues and says God raised him Losing the pains of death because it was not even possible for Jesus to stay dead. And then he quotes from uh, David saying, that there's no way the Messiah could stay dead. He's already gone from Jesus saying that Jesus was a man to now he's the Holy One, he's the Messiah. He says to the, to the brothers, he says, you know that David was dead. But David being a prophet, he said he saw Jesus. He had had the promise that there was somebody who was going to come and reign in, on the throne. He saw the Christ. So he, he foresaw through the prophet. David is foreseeing this, prophesies about Jesus, not himself. And he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. And he was not abandoned in death. So even though you guys, you killed Jesus when he was in the tomb, he did not stay there. 
God raised him and he came out as, the pro- as David had prophesied about. Then what happened to Jesus? Where is he now? He was like, why is Jesus not here? Well, because he's at the right hand of the Father. The right hand, the seat of power. It says there, 32. This Jesus God raised up, and this we are all witnesses. This is the fulfillment that they were waiting for, that Jesus was going to send the Holy Spirit so they will be able to prophet, to, to be witnesses to the people. This is happening now. It's happening right now. That they got the Holy Spirit, now he's, he's, he is testifying that Jesus is raised. This is the same guy who ran away and hid after he denied Jesus. God raised him up and we are all witnesses. Where is Jesus? 33. Being exalted at the right hand of God. Having received from the Father the promises of the Holy Spirit, he is poured out at that Yourself, you are seeing and hearing. This is the explanation. What is happening? What is happening? Well, God raised Jesus from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father. And now, the, oh, beautiful, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and now God the Holy Spirit has been poured out on these people. And that is why you guys are so confused. This is what happened. This happened. And then we come to this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful passages. 36. Jesus was a man, and God did many beautiful things to him. Jesus was Christ, He was the Messiah, He was the one that couldn't die. Ascended into heaven, and here it gets even more. Let the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Lord is reserved for God. Had his nose better than me, but that's the word curious. Peter here says, that Jesus is God. He started out as a man, that God did many beautiful things through. Then he was the Messiah, he was the promised one, he was the one to come. Then Isaiah said that will be Almighty God too. And then he's, he says here, God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who has been crucified. Jesus is Lord God. You crucified him. Ah, uh, kind of bad news. Pretty. Mm. And then what happens? 37. Now they heard this and they were caught in their hearts. Some say pierced, some say, ah. And they say, brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they're here, the Holy Spirit is working in them, they are pierced. We have killed this man, 
is Jesus. We've killed the Christ. We've killed the hope. Jesus, God raised him up. All that's left for us is his God's wrath on us for what we've done. They pierced in their hearts. What do we do? You repent. You can get baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of all the sins you've done, including the killing of Jesus. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thirty-nine is very, um, is also very beautiful because you might say, "Well, what is this to do with us today?" And it's always a good question to ask. Um, I believe that when we are studying the Bible, we're mostly we're studying to know better who God is. This passage says a lot about who God is. It's like a heavy, beautiful God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the one God created of all things, who in his foreknowledge knew we were going to sin and rebellion against him. But he provided for us. He came himself to Jesus. To pay the penalty for our sin, that we might be recognized as silent to Him, have new life, eternal life in Him, through Him in Christ. So it's not just a promise for the people that are there, because we read 39. For the promise is for you and your children, and for us, all who are far off. Who's the promise for? Everyone whom the Lord calls to Himself. And then Luke, get, Luke, Luke kind of gets tired of writing, whole, writing down everything Peter is saying. And with many other words, he bore witness. He continued to exhort them, saying, And here we hear again, here there's an echo of Joseph, not Joseph, Jesus again. Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized, and there was added that day about 30,000 souls. Church rules from being 120. Holy Spirit's poured out. 3,000 people are convinced of their sin. And, and I just need one over here. In, uh, when Jesus talks about, well, I'm just going to do it from memory. When, when Jesus talks about what would the Holy Spirit do in John, Holy Spirit will come and remind people about the sin, righteousness, and judgment. This is exactly what we're seeing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit enables the disciples to witness. Other people see their sin, they see God's righteousness, and they repent and turn. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Very beautiful. And that's why we're here. Just like we talked about last Just like we talked about last time. What was the and you already said it, you, you, you pay attention. What was the disciples to do? They were to be witnesses. What's our job? To be witnesses. To be witnesses of Jesus' death, his resurrection. How can we do that? The same way. Because Jesus above, because Peter says here, what happens if we repent, get baptized in the name of Jesus? We have our sins to give. 
but we will also receive what? The Holy Spirit that will enable us to be witness from Jesus. This is the beauty of Pentecost. This is where people say it can be the reversal of Babylon. Something it's more than that. It's the birth of the church. It's the pouring out of God on his people. That we can do the works that he's called us to do. There's many things in the passage and uh, just want to round on with a few things. Like some people might have objections. Well, I mean, this can't be true. This can't be for me. Well, yes, it can be because that's what it says. This is for you if God calls you to himself. Then it is also for you. So if you're sitting here today like, God can't love me. I've done way too many bad things. Well, we've probably done more bad things than you thought. Because here it actually says that we killed Jesus uh, with our rebellions against God. So, we're responsible for our actions. Uh, somebody, somebody said that Paul has the discussion with the Romans. Well, how can we then, like if God knows everything, then where do the robots know? We see that kid here, we're not. God is graceful. God has a plan, but these people want to kill Jesus, and they do it. They weren't forced to do it. They did it. So did you and I, when we decided to rebel against the great of heaven. Grace of God, that is that He still chose to come and seek us out, that we might be saved. And that is for today as well. So if you sit there and you're cut to the heart like them, what do you need to do? You need to repent, be baptized. In the name of Jesus, you will have your sins forgiven and you will receive the Holy Spirit. There might be other objections. You know, that's uh, objections against God knowing all things, so therefore he's also uh, responsible for all of the sin. Um, well, that's just not true. Um, because we're responsible for our own sin because we do what our hearts want. Um, people say, well, people say, a common objection against Christians is that Jesus isn't really God. That's something we came up with in was it uh, 385 AD at the Council of, Ca of Constantinople? Well, we can just see here that's not true. Because Peter says it 50 days after he goes to, to heaven. This is not a Christian invention 385 years later. Peter believes that Jesus is God. That is not new. It's been like that from the beginning. So when you hear this objection from people that, oh, but Jesus never said he was God. Well, he uh, did. <laughs> and also, he received worship. No prophet received worship. He said he could forgive sins. And here we have Peter Casey saying he is God. We don't come up with, Christians don't come up with it 380 years later. But that leads into my next point is 
if we don't together and at home with the Holy Spirit study the scriptures, it's easy for us to have our minds being taken in that truck of there could be so many questions that will rock our faith if we don't know the scriptures. They were like, what? Did we really invent that Jesus was God 500 years later? No, we didn't. They believed it from the beginning. So did Jesus. So it should, it should move us into a, for us who believe this, it should move us into a stronger longing to know more about who God is through the scriptures. And, and, and the scriptures are just affirmed, affirmed again and again here. You know, there's a Peter quote scripture many times, like three, three different times, that are being fulfilled here about Christ. And so did the last week too. We see this, and we have even even more. We have from the first chapter. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come. We have four affirmations of Scripture right here. Just like last week, Scripture is trustworthy. It's it's where we get our understanding of who this wonderful God is. That though we rejected Him. He came after us. There's many other things I would like to say. But I wouldn't want to say too many more. Um, but I would just like to encourage you uh, and some people were asking, what do I need to do for next time? Well, you need to read ahead. Well, first of all, you should, you should go home and read chapter two, and then start just reading slowly ahead. Then you know each Sunday what's happening. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you himself, Jesus, and God, that you will see that. Today, I would just like you to consider the, the amazing joy of this, if this is true for you. I tried it every time, you know, I then say, for us as believers, this is amazing joy. This is a fantastic creator of heaven and earth. God, Father, God, Son, the Holy Spirit, to see how we work together in this chapter. To save, to redeem us, because we rebellion, spin, and things and stuff like that. And, and although we were like Joel said, that we have discerned the day of judgment. God comes and makes a way for us. Not only makes a way for us, He gives us a new life. This is a new creation. He comes and lives in us through the Holy Spirit. That we might be His witnesses. That we might come in a place like this, like I just was saying today, like I've said the last two weeks, everything was outside, but I came here met you guys, met the Lord again together. It made every difference in the world. Because we might be misunderstood, we will be misunderstood, you know, even in the passage, you know, there's people that say people are drunk. We will always have critics. We will always be misunderstood. Or those people are just drunk. Now, we will always have critics. Or people that don't believe what we believe. And criticize us for all sorts of things. But God's invited us into his family. 
So we can rejoice. We can sing. We can pray. So we can give. We can pour out our hearts. We can even endure business meetings and stuff like that because we can see the mission and the change that's made in us. You might sit there on the internet and sit there today and you're like, I just don't know if this is true. Is this for me? Can I be forgiven? David says it's clear. Who's it for? It's for everyone that God calls. So if God's calling you here today, just accept it. I hear your call. What do you need to do? You need to stop, you need to stop being your own God or worship other gods. Repent, turn around please. Come follow Jesus. Get baptized in the name of Jesus. Promises you get your sins forgiven. And that obedience will lead to the Holy Spirit coming with you. That is a gospel and some good news. It's what we have, it's what we witness about. And it's true. You can have that as well. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Here, Fathers, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, it's, uh, it's, God, sometimes it's just overwhelming to even read how amazing you are in your word. I mean, you know, Lord, you know, how, how can you even express the amazingness of who you are, God? But Lord, just thank you. Thank you. You are such a graceful God. This is an amazing God that not only did you create everything, also chose to make a way. And Jesus, you made a way for us, humbling yourself, coming to this place, enduring shame, pain, and guilt that we had caused you. We just confess that we all sins. Our sins was what put you on the cross, but not just our sins. Good God, we see your love holding Jesus fast on the cross. For us to be set free. But thanks, praise be to you, God, that there's no way you can stay in the grave of Jesus. To hold you, that had no hold on you, and you had to raise. You rose that you could not stay in the grave. Dead had nothing on you. You done nothing wrong. We praise you. Thank you. God, thank you. At Pentecost, you come and you are dwelling with the believers. You pour out your spirit on the believers. But I pray, I pray today, Lord, that we just get like our wishes for this whole series, Lord, that you would make us aware day by day that us who believers you live in us, you have given us the power to be your witnesses and to do what you want us to do. So we thank you, we praise you for those things. We honor you. And thank you. Thank you you help us to worship the right one true God. Lord, we pray, pray for each person here just doubting the it's for them. Look at hope for you're the only one who can do it. Through Peter, you make people see their sin, that they, they were cut in their hearts. 
So we pray that you continue to do that and you do receive it day by day. So Lord, we thank you. We're encouraged that you continue to do this and that we will be a part as we sow the seeds of your word and your truth. We pray that all honor and glory will be given to you and we thank you. Again, thank you. In Jesus' name.